Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to episode 75 of Radio Radar. My name is Anthony John Agnello, Senior Social Editor. And this week, we're talking about Destiny 2, a game that we have not seen gameplay of, but somehow we're still really excited about the trailer. And actually, all the implications of the trailer, we're talking about uh, the whole new world of Destiny and wiping out the old one and why we think that is a good thing. And then we talk about a trio of excellent games, including Snake Pass for Nintendo Switch and Elder Scrolls Legends, which is a game that you should really find out more about. It's actually sounding really cool. Listen on. What's the matter with your life? Why you gotta mess with mine? Don't keep sweating what I do, cause I'm gonna be just fine. Check it out! If I wanna take a guy home with me tonight, it's none of your business! So don't try to change my mind, I'll tell you one more time, it's none of your business! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I watched the video for Salt and Peppa's None of Your Business. Uh, not none of your business, none no. Oh, uh, your business. Yeah. Like a failed breakfast cereal. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, watched, I watched that video for the first time in years this morning, and I don't know if you guys remember, it opens with, like, newspapers spinning into the screen and the headlines, like, salt and pepper, too sexy? <laughs> so, like, like an old-timey news broadcast? Yeah. What is this, like, yes. Citizen Kane? <laughs> Like, yeah, like, like Citizen Kane, <laughs> but like, but if it was about Salt and Peppa being too sexy, are these Salt and Peppa people too sexy? <laughs> Hitler's on the Ain't march I? and Salt and Peppa. <laughs> hey, Everyone, Johnny, welcome. what do you think about Salt and Peppa? <laughs> welcome back, welcome back to Radio Radar because. <laughs> Because you know what you're listening to if a white man is screaming rap lyrics from the <laughs> 1990s at the top of his lungs. And scaring his family in the other room. My name is Anthony John Agnello. I am the senior social editor at Games Radar. And I am joined by a carnival of value today. We have executive editor, Su <laughs> executive editor Susan Arndt. Shoop. Shoop a doop. Shoop. They do shoop it. They're shooping. shooping. There's a shoop. Shooby dooby, like Scooby Dooby. There's a. No, make me want to shoop, shoop, shoop. <laughs> I'm sticking with the salt and pepper theme. Is that TLC or is that salt and pepper? I don't know. That's, oh, that's salt and pepper. pepper. Is yeah, it? Okay. totally salt and pepper. I never really dug TLC much. No, no. Waterfalls, get out of here with that. Oh, Jesus. No. Oh, God. If I, no. never, if I never hear that song again, I will have led a happy life. Crazy, sexy, cool. Crazy, sexy, cool. Uh, <laughs> that, that other voice you hear is uh, staff writer Connor Sheridan. Hello, Connor. Hello, Anthony. Happy to be back. Yeah, uh, I, I'm, I'm happy to have everyone here. I feel like last week's episode was like a little bit of a bummer because I was so angry about the Switch. And we talked about Persona 5 a lot, but now we're back. We have four people on the show. And uh, rounding out the crew this week is Staff Roberts. Dave Roberts. Let's talk about games, baby. Let's talk about <laughs> PS3. I, <don't... laughs> I was pretty good. That was, pretty that was good. awesome. 
That was really good. And also period accurate to when the PS3 also was true. out. That sounds yep. like a real Sony advertising. <laughs> no, 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 because cause PS3 was the time of the... I don't... Remember the Russian guy in the bathtub? Oh, God, yes. Oh, There's the Russian guy in the bathtub. There's the, the com- whole baby thing. The, the commercials for thing. PS9. Yep. Oh, yeah. The, the ones you uh, saw. Yeah. Uh, I loved the PS9 commercials, which was like a glass ball held in somebody's hand. Uh, speaking of futuristic balls... Oh, God. <laughs> Destiny no, no, I, I, can't, I can't even be mad, because that was pretty good. <laughs> Destiny 2! Destiny 2! We we are recording this on Friday, you're listening to it on Monday, so the Destiny 2 trailer is still fresh in our minds. And you know, like, I, I, I thought that I was a jaded McJaderson, where, like, an announcement trailer where there's absolutely no gameplay whatsoever was not a thing that I could give a damn about anymore. So you felt but, unmoved like Mick Jader? Like... <laughs> oh, wow. That is... <laughs> both bad and a stretch. So, welcome! <laughs> that's, that's the Radio Radar way right there. Uh, yeah, I, I, was, I was smitten with what they showed in, in that Destiny 2 trailer because it gave me everything I could possibly want from a follow-up to Destiny 1, which is Destiny 1 without a stick up its ass. And this this was just funny. And, like, hey, we're all gonna have a good time playing this game. And that, that was really exciting to me. Susan, you were pumped I was. about this trailer. Tell it's, me about it. It's true. Well, okay, so the I really, really enjoyed Destiny. Liked it a lot. My issue with it was always that it just ran out of content. It ran out of stuff to do. And, like, I don't I do not do raids. And if you don't do raids, if you're a more casual player, you, you ended up just doing, like, patrols over and over again. And they weren't interesting enough to keep dipping in back over and over. So I dug it, but I haven't touched it in months. So the announcement that they're going to do Destiny 2 was very, very exciting. The trailer is hilarious, which speaks to me because, as you say, the first Destiny took itself really seriously. Real like, seriously and didn't earn it. And like, did, yeah, and didn't earn it. At any point. No. Like, and there, were, there was humor in it, for sure, but it was, it was kind of quiet humor and just sort of here and there. And, you know, it was stuff like Ghost imitating uh, Varix. You know, they are dead. You are not when you're in Archon's Forge. Or Eris Morn giving out raisins for Halloween. Little stuff like that. Very, very funny. Showed a lot of personality. But for the most part, deadly serious. Mm. So the idea that it's like, okay, you know what? Let's just go shoot shit and get loot. Right. Shoot shit, get loot. Everybody lighten up. I love that. And I, yeah. I'm excited to see what they give us. Like, if you're mm. going to give us puppies let us pet the goddamn things okay <laughs> what's wrong with you dave roberts i know you were really excited about the uh cover art oh god <laughs> yeah and like i know that, <laughs> that that's ultimately like that's kind of where i'm landing on it is like I, I i dig the not so serious attitude like i always felt the best parts of destiny were was when it was unintentionally hilarious like, I was actually kind of bummed that they took out the that wizard came from the moon line that got so much, like, 
laugh laughter during the beta. Um, and it's like, dude, no, just lean into it. And I'm glad that they're doing that. And then they, you can pre-order the deluxe edition, and the cover is literally a monochromatic picture <laughs> of a of a of a bald of a man of a, a bald white gun. dude, bald white dude whose face is almost completely blurred out, not quite, but almost holding a gun. Yeah, Destiny Two with an Arabic yeah. Two. That's weird. I, I honestly, I don't like. I can't imagine that that is like final. Probably. It has to be final. Come on, dude. I think it's final, but I'm hoping that the standard edition box art looks a lot cooler. Because yes. I yeah. frequently find that I like standard edition box art better than limited edition box art. Me too, Connor. I find that like nine times out of ten, I like what you see just sort of basic. I got uh, years ago now the GameStop exclusive Steelcase edition of Resident Evil 4. Oh, yeah. Which which is literally just, like, a red box. And I was like, oh, and there's, like, a picture of Leon Kennedy in a freight, fake, like, frame on the inside. Which, like, I kind of liked that the message was that I, I would want my heartthrob Leon Kennedy picture, mm-hmm. but not on the cover. <laughs> but whereas the, like, regular old cover was, was awesome, was perfectly fine. Uh, Connor, how are you feeling about this? I know that you... this is Destiny is the type of game that you tend to spend a lot of time with. You like a shooter that is going to be played with other people. And, you know, over the past year, like, you don't really talk to, about Destiny with any kind of frequency. You tend to be an Overwatch guy, and when things like The Division come along, you go and check them out. But you haven't been... Uh, a destiny faithful type of person is this is this getting you psyched um yeah i I played vanilla destiny i played through the campaign and then i came back to play through taken king and liked it quite a bit which i I think is a common experience for a lot of people never got back in for rise of iron um i'm i am excited just about the idea of bringing back destiny and uh bungie going in with the same goals that they had before but a much Mm. better idea of how to actually accomplish them you know they've learned a lot over the last uh three years of that game so that that is exciting to see Uh, as far as the tone of the trailer i actually didn't think it was that funny i felt like it was kind of trying a little too hard like i like nathan fillion when he's bouncing directly off of other serious characters but when he's out there by himself like hey there's gonna be loot wink to the camera I felt like it was a little too much, but mm-hmm. I mean, I, I still am excited to see where they go with that. Um, and I will, I will give it that that was the most, that was the most direct gameplay I've ever seen in a CGI cinematic trailer because there were, <laughs> because Cade was just straight up telling you, okay, we took away all your old guns, yeah. <laughs> but okay, we're gonna go yeah. out here and we're gonna do new stuff and we're going to give you new loot. It was basically like a little like. Not the press release, but, you know, the bullet points at the top of the press release that's, like, the the digest. That's what Cade was giving you, and and I very much appreciated that. Me too. And honestly, more more even than the sort of, like, tone shifts that you see in in what they've been giving us of Destiny 2 in the past week, the confirmation that, yes, like, we're just going to blow up the world. You know, Destiny, for all of its rough beginnings... And its massive improvements and the sort of uh, fascinating culture 
that has risen up around the way that first game was designed, where a lot of the deeper parts of the game are things that you had to directly engage the community with to even figure out. Mm -hmm. Like, all these items where it's there's nothing in the game that's really going to explain what they do, so you have to go and talk to people uh, on the internet or in person to actually figure out how to play the game. I loved all of that stuff, but as tends to happen with all of these games, it's become more and more and more insular over these past three years. And the idea of, of completely defying the sort of uh, World of Warcraft model of MMO design, where it's like, oh, every three to four years, we're going to give you this big expansion, there's going to be a sexy elf or a creepy wizard on the cover, and uh, there's going to be a new bear to play around with, and just like the, the constant bigger, bigger, bigger preservation of the old layering on top, that has always, to me, just sort of entrenched a game mm -hmm. and you know kept it uh, more and more forbidding to a new player. Whereas Destiny 2... Even not being afraid to call it Destiny 2. Not Which Destiny... Is, let's, let's be honest, an absurd name. An absurd name! Totally absurd. <laughs> it's an, abs an absurd name. Like, as ridiculous as the evil corporation from a 1980s movie's product. Well, it's like, like, it's like, it's like making a sequel to a game called The Longest Journey. It's like, yes. it's the second longest journey? Like, what? <laughs> the second longest journey? The longest Final journey. Final yeah. It, it, in the grand tradition of Final Fantasy 2, we have Destiny 2. I, I love that they're like, yes, we're going to wipe the cl slate clean within three years. And we're just going to start over from scratch. And I hope that this is a trend for the series. I hope that they don't shy away from this. Uh, how do you guys feel about... You know, Susan, you, ha you have a character that you were really invested in. Yep. That you wanted to keep playing as, but they didn't have the content. Does it bum you out that this is not going to let you carry over anything except that character's face? Uh, no, not at all, actually. Uh, I, I used one character the entire time I played Destiny. I didn't, I didn't play as a, a Titan. I didn't play as, a, I don't even remember what the third class is. Hunter. Warlock, Titan. Hunter. Hunter. Yeah, <laughs> not, never. <laughs> I had one character the whole time. I love her. She's awesome. But Destiny is, it is a very difficult game to play casually, like I said, because there's there's so much, like, even the, the cool stuff, like, you'll find a key and it'll unlock a chest that's hidden somewhere, you know, deep in this tunnel. And, like, there's a whole bunch of stuff like that. And then there's, you know, missions to get specific weapons and, and things like that. And these these absurdly intricate things you have to do to both succeed in raids and just get cool stuff and find all the secrets. And you really gotta be invested to, to do all that. So I, I always felt like I enjoyed Destiny, but I never really felt ownership of it. Mm. I never really felt like That's I... That's a great way to put it. Yeah, like I never felt like I belonged there. I was always just visiting. Right? Like, I never lived there. I was always just visiting. visiting. So the idea that, that, is, that it's a clean slate and this is something that we all collectively get to go into fresh together, I mean, that was a big part of what made Destiny exciting for me in the first place was it's brand new. We're all figuring it out together at once. That's really cool. Like, you don't get to do that very often because, 
you know, companies want to play it safe and keep making things they know work. So for there to be something this uh, fleshed out and, and this intricate that is from scratch super super great opportunity so i'm i'm perfectly happy to say goodbye to my warlock and become best pals with someone brand new yeah well you really still cool. have the warlock you just don't have any of her clothing or that's guns fine or, i don't care. you know the raisins that you've been saving those are gone okay that honestly <laughs> that's the stuff that that make, gives me the twinge mm-hmm. right like the the raisins from halloween or or this this whatever that i've had tucked away for, for years oh, you like know my, my ships miss? what the shaders i'm gonna miss oh, the shaders. oh yeah it's gonna be nice hard going shaders. back to the early days of like all of your gear clashing again until you can actually unlock some goddamn <laughs> yeah. shaders that's true well, and my and my think... and my emblem for my name mm. i love that do you think that that sort of cosmetic stuff is the kind of thing you know we like i mentioned world of warcraft before and the sort of additive nature of the expansion process that that WoW sort of established for this type of game that you play with other people. And part of that was just lowering the bar of entry for uh, certain, like, physical aspects of the game. You know, really early in, in the days of WoW, the idea of getting a mount, having a tiger or a horse to ride around the world was this, like, really impossible goal to reach because you had to raise all this money... And then, eventually, they were just like, nah, you can just have that stuff. Like, pretty mm-hmm. much right at the beginning. Yep. So I wonder if, you know, you'll pop Des- Destiny 2 into your hard drive, you'll install it, and then it'll be like, here are the shaders available for your character, right at the beginning. Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. Uh, I don't, I kind of, I like that progression of going from looking like a dork to actually looking cool, you know, a couple le- levels later. But on the other hand, are people really going to want to have to deal with that part of the journey again? I don't know how sure. to handle it. Yeah, yeah. I will say part of, I, I, you know, again, we're, we're talking, we're not talking about like a game we've actually seen being played. We're, we're sort of talking about a statement of intent mm-hmm. that they have made with the teaser and the trailer. And the other thing about this that really sort of excites me is that this feels more like the Bungie that worked on Halo 2 and 3. You know, that realized they were playing with a a sort of big money brand on behalf of a company, but aren't afraid to toy with what that is and to uh, to get sort of playful with audience expectations about that. You know, part of what kept me from playing Destiny 1 wasn't the lack of content, which sort of drove you away, Susan. But it was the way that people actually interacted with the game uh, clashing with the way it's presented. You know, the, the when you would have to like go into a cutscene in the original Destiny, the overwhelming profundity of it was just insane. You know, like that first thing you have to do uh, when... You play the first couple of missions, you get your little spaceship, and then you have to go back and meet with whoever the big guy is who tells you Spaceball's whole story. Yeah, basically any cutscene with the speaker in it. Yeah. Right. Like, this, the, you would literally walk down a hallway where people are, like, dancing, kicking a soccer ball to yeah. each other. Yeah. You're, like, 
playing games of tag while they're crouching to being dead by yourself while the speaker is like, Thousands of years ago, Paul <laughs> came to us, and everything sucked. Now, like, I'm, now I'm just imagining the speaker is like that that robotic uh, turkey yes! from Aquatine Hunger Force. Yes! <laughs> you got it in one. You got it. You got because he's like that. The Moonanites? Yeah. No, no, there's, no a, there's, there's a turkey that's like he talks like oh, this. Oh wait, right, right, right. And he is he is the speaker where he's constantly coming back to tell you about the intergalactic wars that ruined the world thousands of years ago. Baseball. Here's the here's the well, another reason why I'm I'm super excited about Destiny Two because as like Connor said, they've learned so much in the process of making Destiny and then continuing to service Destiny. Like, they, I mean, we had uh, Luke Smith on the stream and, and we mm-hmm. asked him, like, straight up, like, what were you thinking? Yeah. What <laughs> with, like, if, if you remember, if you go back to Vanilla Destiny, the, the way leveling up used to work. Oh, my God. Jesus. It was like, the worst. Was, it was terrible. And they had, like, cool ideas that on paper. And then they implemented them. It's like, oh, shit, this isn't fun. But <laughs> yeah. when, you've, when you've built something, and, and anybody who has ever worked on any creative endeavor knows this. <laughs> you can start patching over stuff. But if your foundation is wonky, you can only patch so much. You can only put so many new things onto a thing that is fundamentally flawed. You can yeah. only go so far with it. So by, you know, just doing the, you know, you take your arm and you sweep everything off the desk, you start all over, that gives you the opportunity to start from a place where you've already learned all the mistakes not to make. Maybe not all of them, but a lot of them. Not the same ones, anyway. So you can start from a foundation of, okay, we're not going to have really shitty leveling to begin with. Let's just not do that. Maybe, right? Mm. And let's not have incredibly bad voice acting, even though it's from an incredibly famous actor. That's not good (laughs) for the game. Let's make our famous voice actors more than just vendors. How about that? (laughs) How how about that? I love that they have freaking Peter Stormare, and he's... (laughs) He sells you loot. He sells you armor. That's all he does. I know. (laughs) Yeah, but in fairness, we like that. What was that, Susan? I kind of like that. I like it. There are all these, like, like, oh, Oscar-winning actors, and they, like, really? they're like, hi. <laughs> right. That's yeah, it. It just really right? makes you wonder, like, how did this happen? Now like, I know. Like, I, did, I, so, did a bust get misdirected? Did it just pull up to Bungie's studio, and they're like, oh, all right. Guys, we lost all of the like story dialogue that they recorded. It just it is something bad happened. We lost it all. Uh, all we have are their shop vendor lines. We have to cut everything. We have to cut everything. We can't get them back. Are you guys the only ones that play? Is is it just me, or do you guys also play Destiny? Assuming that Peter Stormare's vendor is canonical with Until Dawn. Oh yeah. Oh, I do now. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, did he, I just uh, make the game a lot better for you, Susan? No, I uh, I always considered him canonical with the character he did in Volkswagen commercials. <laughs> yeah, where yeah, he's just like, oh snap! No, they're yes. all part. Of, they're all part of the Stormeraverse. 
Yeah, just <laughs> uh, picks up a job as a psychologist, and the... then he ends up getting lost out in the uh, asteroid belt. Uh, mm-hmm. and and he's got to earn the, a living. The darkness happens, which and, then he, yeah, he, he turns into the, he, and then he turns into the nihilist from the Big Lebowski. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Also, there... can we maybe get some better names for shit in Destiny oh, Two? I... Please. No, I hope like, they lean into it. That was a I... great name. Okay, no, super good advice is a really great name for a weapon. No, I mean, like, the fallen. The traveler. The darkness. The travel. Like, it's it's all, it's all so sci-fi 101. It's oh, lean into it. Lean, oh. Like, <laughs> lean into it really hard and just keep getting more and more specific. Call them the bad, <laughs> the bad guys. B, capital B, capital G. That's what they're called. No, just start giving them Kingdom Hearts names. These are the fallen. <laughs> You gotta activate your keyblade and get your exotic ammo so you can keep keying around. Dude, I just I just found out today today that David Boreans was a voice actor in the original Kingdom Hearts. Oh yeah, yeah. That is the game that keeps on giving. He was Squall, right? He was Squall from Final Fantasy VIII. (laughs) I also I also just found out that David Boreans. Went to college here in, in my new post-New York life town of Ithaca, which which is a highly wooded area, and I like to imagine that, you know, he was here before he was on Buffy, but that he practiced all his skulking in the woods skills, <laughs> like right by my house. Like I look out the window every morning, be like, maybe this is it. Maybe, maybe he's here. Boreans is going to be staring at me through the bushes. On the night of a full moon, On the night you of will a full see moon. <laughs> David Barnett staring Th- at you from the woods. Thousands of years ago! <laughs> <laughs> the glorious moon has rised again. Uh, so just as awkward as a Boreans in the bush, uh, controlling the main character in a newly released video game called Snake Pass... It's probably one of the goddamn weirdest things I have done this week. Oh man! This is a Switch game, yeah. This is this is an everything game actually. Oh, it's, okay. It's PC, PS4, Switch, uh, and Xbox One. This is made by Sumo Digital. Uh, and if you guys aren't familiar with the name Sumo Digital, they have actually been sort of like toiling away on uh, licensed games uh, over the past few years. Yeah. But, like really good ones they've made amazing amazing games uh a lot of them racing games they well, were they, responsible they, for they did uh little big planet two and three yes or helped work are, on those they're um, not they're not the best examples but they also made uh, uh, sonic and sega all-stars racing oh yeah that's the right. only game in town where like you can be rio from shenmue racing against in the uh, forklift yes yeah. <laughs> in a forklift and they also made, I think, one of the best racing games ever made, which is Outrun 2006 for uh, PlayStation 2 and the original Xbox. And they've just they've just worked on a lot of stuff. They worked on Forza Horizon 3, doing backup work. Uh, they are secretly working on... I think that they're still working on Dead Island 2, uh, which is a game that presumably still exists. Maybe. <laughs> Yeah, that's the noise, Susan. Yeah. We'll know that game Get exists up. when we get the inevitable half-naked pre-order bust. Of course. The torso, of course, yep. The, the yep. torso. The pre-order torso. Snake Pass 
is their first original game in a long time, and it is technically a platformer. Like, this, this is a game where you're set down in a space, sort of, it reminds me a little bit of the old Crash Bandicoot game. Yeah, it's it's structured a lot like the old sort of PS2 and 64 era platformers where you have this sort of small to medium-ish sized environment and you can just roam around and you collect the MacGuffins and you use the MacGuffins to get to the end of the level and then you go to the next level. Yeah, and, yeah. and that, as simplistic as that sounds, and that's the sort of simplistic thing that I think a lot of people are exciting for, excited for, uh, again, because if you look at how people react to ukulele, uh, which is a very sort of similarly cartoony platformer that's coming out uh, next month, people want this type of game. But Snake Pass only looks like that type of game yeah. and sounds like that type of game because David Wise, the guy who did all the Donkey Kong Country soundtracks, did the soundtrack in this. It feels unlike anything else I have ever played because you're controlling a snake, like a just big giant snake with googly eyes and everything that that implies like you slither along on the ground and have to climb up these platforms by like coiling around stuff and tilting your head in the air and the only way to pick up speed is by sort of twisting back and forth like if you just try to move forward in the game you really won't move. It's you really yeah. It's really slow. It's <clears throat> slow, and, but then like the game tells you like, hey jerk, you're a snake. Move <laughs> like a snake, and you'll actually be able to move faster. So it's it's this weird sort of rhythm of completely recontextualizing in your head how a video game character is supposed to move. Yeah, it's uh, it reminds me a lot of Octodad, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, where, like, Octodad was this um, sort of this juggling act of, like, well, you're an octopus in a human suit. Uh, how do you act like a human being? Oh, I know. Let's make every single button on your controller correspond to either his one of his arms or legs, and you just flop around like an idiot. Now, like, Snake Pass isn't as... Uh, it's not as, like, purposely goofy or awkward or clumsy... Um, as Octodad, but it has that same sort of, like, rubbing your stomach while patting your head feeling, where you're, like, you're trying to wrap your head around, how do I move in this environment? How do I manipulate this snake to make him go up these walls that, like, a normal person wouldn't be able to get up because you have to like wrap yourself around bamboo shoots and then use the friction of that and the sort of the leverage you get from that to move up to another one and 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 up and up and up you go or like hey there's this this coin hanging off the side of this cliff face but you can wrap yourself around a pillar and sort of lean your head down to pick it up um like it takes a while to get, I think, and I like a lot of people are like probably going to be frustrated by it. It does an okay job, sort of uh, acclimating you to to the controls, and most of the the basic objective stuff is relatively easy. Like if you want to get all of the coins or all of the little bubbles, which I don't think they do anything, but like as, if you... far, as far as I can tell, it's not like. 
I've I haven't run into a moment where the game says you need to have collected this many doodads to unlock yeah. a stage, which thank God, yeah, because it gets to a point very very quickly where just meeting the basic objective in each stage. The basic objective in each stage is collect these three things. Yeah. Like, you, in each stage, you have to find these three keys. The three keys open the door, you leave the stage. Yeah. And just doing that by the seventh or eighth stage is so tricky. Yeah. That I'm like, no, I'm not. Like, you, collecting all the stuff there is, I think, for the people who are like, I enjoy the challenge, I want to enhance the challenge. It's like yeah. a natural way to increase the difficulty. And it's cool. And, like, the way... there, Like, there are no enemies in the game. It's just mm-hmm. you moving around it feels a lot like just just sort of like a big open jungle gem that you can just mm-hmm. like explore and like that's something like i love um environmental platforming and puzzles and stuff like i'm the guy that played like when i was younger i would play uh prince of persia sansa time like once every six months because i love just like engaging with those moves and moving around that world and this is sort of like triggering in my head a lot of the feelings of like oh well okay so i need to get up there how do i get up there uh, okay so i wrap myself crap no okay that's not gonna work um and like for the most part the controls are when they work it works really well sometimes they don't and it's a little frustrating but um See, <clears throat> now the funny thing is is i can't decide if this is a situation where the controls don't work or it's just such a weird way of moving that my brain doesn't work. Yeah. Like, that's that's the thing that is hard to get past with this game. Uh, I, like, the, the best sort of analog that I've been thinking of in the platformer world is... And I know that the, the everybody on this show is a big fan of this game. I don't know about the audience. But we're all Super Mario Sunshine fans. We all, we all like the weird one. Yeah. Where Mario has a jetpack... And part of playing that game was getting your head around not just jumping around as Mario. You're like, I get that. Then the weird part was figuring out how to manipulate the physics of a water jetpack for you to do the things that you wanted to do. And that was part of why I think that game was difficult for a lot of people to get into. Mm -hmm. Because it felt so awkward and strange. Like, you don't have a natural physical analog for what you're doing you can't think to yourself like oh i'm a human i know how to walk and jump i also know how to propel myself up using a giant pack of water (laughs) that's what what humans do on their spare time and i feel like snake pass comes from the same place and not only do you have to like think like something that's inhuman you have to think as something that a significant chunk of the human population finds repellent yeah (laughs) <laughs> are, either of you, are any of you guys afraid of snakes? Susan, Connor, are you guys afraid of snakes? Nope. No, no like not, snakes. not at all. I, like I used to have too. pet snakes. I, I think they're so cool. Yeah. Like, I, I think snakes are awesome. My I, I have two family members who can't even look at them on TV. Wow, like, okay. Yeah, like to the point, like I have to change the channel because I can't bear to see that slithering motion. Oh. And, I like, Dave, you told me yeah. that... They had to change the slithering motion. Yeah, well, like I, yeah, because I was talking to the to the developer at PSX, and he was saying that the snake originally used to look a lot more realistic, uh, but they had to change it because it was weirding people out. 
because people have like this a lot of people like not not everyone but a, a significant chunk of people have a very like visceral reaction to movements of snakes and especially when they're like more realistic looking so they had to like that's when they're like well let's just lean into it and give him googly eyes and make him look goofy and you know like make him really expressive and like he'll he'll smile and like coo when he's happy and he'll scream and 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 whine when he's when he falls off a cliff all right so. i want to i want to look at this snake here what's this game called again snake pass snake pass, snake pass. that's a dumb does, name but okay it does make me hope <laughs> that there is an anatomically accurate mode where you're in this cartoon world but you're just a totally regular ass snake <laughs> he's like he's like Ka from uh, no not Ka from Jungle Book he's like um, the snake yes. from Robin Hood yes yeah. yes very much so that that same sort of like big eyes yeah. he doesn't get drunk like the snake in Robin Hood <laughs> <laughs> maybe you haven't gotten far enough yet <laughs> Yeah, I, I guess I haven't unlocked that stage. I will I will say, so they have already... I've been playing it on Switch. You're playing it on Switch too, right, Dave? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I. It is one of those things. It's the first Unreal Engine 4 uh, game to come out on Switch. <laughs> and as far as seeing something with that engine running really well on the machine, like, this is really encouraging. It's rock solid 30 frames per second like it just is very smooth everything works it looks really nice uh i will say that they've already released one patch yeah which which does address so the first initial release like it's it's uh rumble was oh god yes extreme that not like extreme but like the rumble was so loud that it felt like your controller was gonna vibrate out of your hand like it seemed wow it seemed intentional to where, like, you would pick up a gem and it would make this, like, high-pitched noise yeah. with the yeah. motor. And I thought it was like, oh, it's just signifying that I'm picking up a gem. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, like, that's weird. Like, this weird tag. But no, they patched that out. So, like, now it's yeah. just normal. It's like, oh. So the, pa- the patch fixed that, but it also already has made it easier. Like, so, uh, I I was on Twitter talking with a few different critics who are playing through it this week, and by the sixth stage in the game, there is one point where you have to, you, you will pass a checkpoint, and up to this point in the game, it's basically just been like, the challenge is climb up this thing and figure out how to manipulate your snake up there, and that's what makes it hard. But by the end of the sixth stage, there's a moment where... It's not only get your entire snake up this incredibly difficult cliff to get up, but do so while over a pit of spikes that cause instant death and send you back to the nearest checkpoint. And just getting up to where the spikes are, like, took me, like, 20 tries. And after the patch, it maybe only took me, like, three tries. Like, the snake was automatically clingier, so it's nice to see that they're, uh, they're actually making some appropriate tweaks to this. Um, Connor, is this does this sound appealing to you at all? Are you like, yeah, this is what I'm going to do when I'm finally done with Zelda on my Switch? Uh, yeah, I like this kind of game with uh, that's, you know, platforming, but in a kind of weird way. Uh, I find that appealing. So, yeah, I would, I would like to give this a try. I, I actually meant to ask, like... And from a control standpoint, how do you move the snake? Are you just moving the head around, or are you like operating right. the head and tail differently? Or so it's tricky. So what you do is you hold down R two, 
and that will push you forward. Sorry, and R2, uh, could you possibly be referring to ZR? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Someone Come on, Connor. in Nintendo's no. face. Why? <laughs> anyway, so you, you hold R2. <laughs> <laughs> you hold R2, that makes your snake go forward. And then you control the snake's trajectory with the left stick. And he's sort of like, you, you know, you... You get used to just sort of pushing forward on the left stick and then back and forth to make him slither. And then A is sort of your jump button equivalent. So if you press A, he'll lift his head. And lifting your head is what sort of signals that you're trying to go up a ledge hmm. or, or you know reach up to the next sort of piece of bamboo jutting out from a wall or something. And that's how you do it, and the rest of it is just like natural manipulation yeah. with the stick. Which and is like L2 will let you grip to an object, mm -hmm. so it's like, okay, if you're trying to slowly make your way across a precarious ledge, you can, mm -hmm. like, you use the analog stick and the A button sort of in conjunction with each other to wrap yourself around something, and then you can hold L2 to, like, sort of hold yourself into place, so that way you can make more fine, precise movements without worrying about falling down, and then once you're, like, in a position to move you let it go and then press right trigger and it's just this like this weird balancing act between all these different buttons to move yourself around yeah it's like i said it's like it is like rubbing your stomach and patting your head uh and, until you figure it out and then it's just yeah it, and when you find a vole wandering around you can press x to unhinge your jaw and <laughs> swallow it whole and then consume eggs from a nearby bird's nest. That's not... That doesn't happen. That doesn't I happen. Was really, I was really hoping there was some kind of, like, health system where you had to, like, eat something like a snake. I was like, This googly-eyed snake is just like, ha. You find a particularly big prey, you have to spend several hours just, like, slowly pressing forward as you digest it. Yes! <laughs> Yeah, a Hideo awesome. Kojima game. Uh, yeah, no, the Hideo Kojima game would just be the eating part, and then you'd have to go inside and be the egg that the snake has just eaten. And the snake has an ass. Yes, and the snake has a human ass. That is, that is a Hideo. You'll be ashamed Kojima of your words and deeds when you find out why the snake has a human ass. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god uh yeah so you can play snake pass right now that's actually out on switch i actually it, it is it is impressive to me that this is yet another game this is the switch was accused of not having a good launch lineup and there are more good games on that thing right now than there were in the playstation 4's first six months yes it's delightful a delightful game if you have a switch uh Speaking of delight, Susan, you've been mm. you've been back in the land of Morrowind and Oblivion and uh, Skyrim and all of those lovely continents, but you have been playing probably the Elder Scrolls that people least associate with Elder Scrolls games. Uh, Elder Scrolls Legends. Yes. 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 First of all, uh, one last Snake Pass thing. Oh. Yeah. Pre press A to unhinge your jaw. That would be press awesome. A. Yeah. I agree. Press right? to unhinge your jaw. That's and, yeah, like, and, and then gobble up whatever you see. Right, exactly. I think that would be very cool. Uh yeah, so uh 
The Elder Scrolls Legends is the card collecting game, which has just come to iOS, so I've been playing it on my iPad. It was on PC already. Uh, it's been there for a while. And uh, Pete Hines, Vice President of Bethesda, is a huge Magic the Gathering fan. He freaking loves playing Magic. So he was really the the driving force behind this game. And it's really good. He's I such finally a nerd. Got to play. He is. He's such a nerd. He's a nerd. He's a huge, huge nerd. <laughs> huge nerd. Uh, but the, yeah, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. It is free to play. So you can, I absolutely encourage everybody to give it a shot if you have ever played a, a card collecting game like a Hearthstone and enjoyed it. I personally find this one easier to learn. Now, I don't know if that's because I'm really into the aesthetic. You know, I, I know Elder Scrolls lore, so like I know what a Khajiit is and I, I know what an Argonian is. You know, I kind of know how Bretons roll, and so I know what kind of cards they'll have, maybe. I don't know. I just, I found it a lot easier to learn the different approaches to playing, learn how to build a deck, the kinds of, the ways, different ways cards can work together. And uh, I really, the thing I, I like about it most is that it messes with your play area a lot. Uh, you have two lanes, left and right. The right one is usually a stealth lane. So the first time you you lay down a card, that card goes into cover. So you're, you're, the other player can't attack you for that turn. So it's, cover? That's a, I, I, I'm sorry, forgive me. I'm going to ask a lot of like card game rule questions. Cover, like cover, like hiding behind a bush. Cover, cover. Okay, all right. Yeah, they can't be seen. Um, but then, and then, some, and then the other lane is, is, is in the broad daylight so they can attack you right away. But sometimes they'll do things like you automatically have rampart defenses up or anything you play in this lane will automatically have a random weapon assigned to it. Anything you land in this lane will earn you extra money. Like mm. stuff like that. And then your cards can also evolve the more you use them. They level up. You will have like a little grunt card that's just a little weakling. And if you play it enough, it levels up and it becomes a stronger card. And that's pretty cool. I think that's interesting. This sounds a lot like a lot more is going on as like a video game. Oh, for sure. Meant. Like it sounds like a video game, not a card game. Well, it is. It's it's certainly more a more active uh, card game. I you, it would be extremely difficult to pull this off in the real world, hmm. right? Like you could right. you could absolutely play play if you have the correct decks. You could play Gwent in the real world, right? super super hard to do that with legends yeah i man so you susan you and i have talked about this many times before but card games are the kind of thing that i i want to get into and then never can because mm -hmm. there's always i hit the wall sure. i hit the wall where it starts saying like build your deck get strategic about this play against other people mm-hmm can you play Elder Scrolls Legends just, like, by yourself, by the yes. computer? Yes. It's fine. Yes. So, in fact, there are, at the moment, there are, there is a single-player story mode, which I highly encourage everybody to start with, because it really does a good job of teaching you not only how to play, but also help you learn how things interact, and this is a good strategy, and these types of cards work this way. 
as you work through the different types of enemies that you face, you that's what really introduces you to the nitty gritty of the game and helps you begin to understand the strategy as opposed to just trying to learn it. Hmm. Um, so that's that's all completely solo, and you can replay as much as you need to, and you can do all of this for free. By the way, the you will get cards to build up your decks off enough as you play through the solo campaign that you will not have to spend a cent. Then there's the arena. There's the typical versus arena where you can play other people. Or there's the solo arena. Again, you are playing against the computer. So if you don't ever feel confident enough to go online and play other people, you don't have to. Which is really nice. Although... I will say I was very much like you, Anthony. I would I played Hearthstone, like against my husband or against AI. But as soon as I went into the real world, I got crushed, and I never knew why. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I I, I lived. You and I, you and I talked about this uh, recently in the context of Gwent. But I lived with two magic nerds mm. for a while, and uh, as we noted at the time, magic people. If there are any listeners right now who are like, I love magic and I'm not a dick, we're not talking about you. We're talking about people that, like, take magic seriously. That there is a meanness in the magic playing world that you run into. That's the thing. I have not... I I have a lot of friends who play magic. They all are the first ones to say, like, yeah, a lot of the magic community is mean. Mean. Just nasty. And, like, so you run into the thing where not only... Do you go into one of these card games and you're like, I'm going to play with somebody. And then you lose immediately. You don't know why you lost. Mm-hmm, but then mm-hmm. the person you played with is just a raving cock about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And I, and that is what has turned me off from a lot of these games as well. It's what stopped me playing Magic. But I thought, like, I am actually now, I have, I did the solo campaign. I did a lot of solo arena. I have moved on to playing actual people and i still lose most of the time but i know why every single time i understand every single loss i see the flow of the game and it's it's really cool because even when i lose like i've had some i've had some matches that i've lost but it came down to like my opponent had two health and i had one cool. you know that's, that's how it should be yeah and it's really really cool there's virtually never a blowout Mm. and it's just i i I really really like the way it teaches you how to play and it gives you i'm not sure if other games do this as well it gives you decks it gives you decks that are already pre-configured so you don't have to go like i don't know this card looks kind of cool i'll try it magic does that now okay When, when i when i learned how to play magic like 10 years ago and let me tell you, magic people hated playing with me because I refused to take it seriously. <laughs> like, I would I would throw it out, like, and they would be like, and then I uh, tap my furious rat, and I would just be like, oh yeah, what are you going to do when I put down the Church of Deals, son? And they would be like, uh, the Church of Deals does nothing for your health or your monsters. Be like, yeah, except it's got the fucking deals. And... <laughs> Yeah, like, like yeah. Um, I so there are you could buy decks, but anybody who is wants to be competitive, like you couldn't use a pre-built deck 
in Magic. Oh like, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. And and if you use a pre-built deck against real people, you're gonna lose in Elder ooh. Scrolls as well. But you can use them in the solo stuff, and by using them and seeing the cards that you've been given, because they're all going to benefit each other in certain ways, right. that helps you learn. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah, uh, I, 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 I dig it. I, am I correct in interpreting it as, you know, if you want to play by yourself, the free model is really good, but if you want to play with other people, that's when you kind of have to pony up? I have not spent a cent. Oh, cool. All right. Yep. Uh, Connor... I mean, I'm also not, like, a champion or <laughs> right. anything. Yeah, you're not ruling. You're I'm not, playing. but no, I haven't spent a dime. Connor, are you a card guy? Do you ever, like, get into card games? Uh, I played Hearthstone for a couple months. Um, the only card game I've really got, ever gotten into hard was uh, Android Netrunner. And I, I still love that game, although it's been a while since I played it. And that's like a, a physical card game. Oh, cool. Dave, do card games besides Triple Triad in Final Fantasy <laughs> don't seem like they're your they're your your bag. Let me, t- let me tell you something. I When I was younger, when I was in middle school, I had like a foil charizard card I nice had, like i had raichu i had no i would like i was into to pokemon uh growing up and like i remember playing the pokemon card game on the game boy color and really liking that and i've been sort of waiting for a card game to come along because i like the concept of card games but like like you guys said just the the competitive aspect of like having to feel like you need to be paying money to stay competitive to play against other people uh, and just the, the 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 act of playing against other people and sort of that just being its own psychological tire fire um do- doesn't appeal to me but something like the pokemon card game on game boy color where you have this story where like there's a progression built in where you you're in this town and you fight a bunch of people and by the time you finish that town and beat that uh, that you know like like that gym master like you would in Pokemon you'll have enough cards to go to the next place and so on and right. so on and so on um, and I'm really excited that a, like you know like I was hoping that was going to be the case for Hearthstone like Hearthstone's great I actually reviewed it for Games Radar a couple years ago uh, but I, I I fell out of it because like I just I don't want to play competitive games I don't I don't. I feel stressed when I feel like I have to keep up with something to the point where I have to completely ignore everything else that's happening, and I'm the kind of person that just likes to play a lot of games. Uh, so, like, seeing, like, Elder Scrolls Legends have this story mode, and uh, Gwent, which is going to have, like, a like a full-on branching dialogue, uh, choose-your-own-adventure storyline where you actually run around sort of this overworld map collecting cards and doing side quests and lev- like getting more cards to beat the bosses and stuff like that's really cool that's the kind of stuff that appeals to me so like now I- I'm actually like interested in checking out Elder Scrolls Legends now that you mentioned that there's like this really uh, in-depth sort of single player kind of and they're, and they're uh, actually well this will it'll be uh, over by the time our listeners hear this but today Friday there's a uh, they're streaming to show off the next content that they're releasing for it. So they're releasing more story for it. Cool. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Man, <clears throat> you know, like, ev- everything you said, like, this makes it sound like the kind of thing that would be really approachable for me, even though mm-hmm. I'm not, like, a big card guy. But I got to tell you, the rumor going around about Hearthstone is really kind of getting me 
interested in trying that again. There's a rumor? Yeah, the rumor is that Blizzard is going to release card packs based on their classic franchises. Oh, shut up! Stop it! Stop it! Shut your face! It's gonna be an all-Black Thorn expansion. This is gonna be an all-Black Thorn expansion. All-Black Thorn all the time in Hearthstone. There'll be a card, just, it's called Backward Shotgun. And the, the text is just, you know what this is. Susan, do you have any idea how excited I am that you didn't see it coming sooner? That's, no, that's fair. I mean, it was expertly done. I hope Thank you realize you. for Black Friday, you are doing all the e-commerce posts. No! <laughs> no! I'll be searching but, Amazon Marketplace for the yeah, best Blackthorn deals. 24 hours. For, no, but that was, no, but that was expertly pulled off. I have to applaud you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, if anybody is... <clears throat> Wondering what the hell I'm talking about, Blackthorn is a <laughs> classic from Blizzard Entertainment. Yeah, but uh, we, I, I have been torturing poor Susan by talking about Blackthorn all week. Uh, that was what our editorial meeting consisted of on You've Monday. You've been torturing me, me by talking about Blackthorn since I met you. Yeah, for like seven <laughs> years. <laughs> but this, I was it's trying a timeless to set game. up a transition. I was trying to set up a transition for Connor. To talk about the cool game that I missed him talking about because I was busy taking pictures of soup and blackthorn (laughs) during (laughs) (laughs) finally a name for my memoir soup and blackthorn soup and blackthorn blackthorn and soup Uh, Connor what is this awesome game that I missed you talking about during the editorial meeting that sound that. Susan is also smitten with. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's called Type Shift, and it's out on iOS right now. I don't think it's out on Android yet. Um, and it's by, I think his name is Zach Gage, the same That's person correct. who did Spell Tower. Mm. And then there was another game between these two, but I can't remember what it was. Darsis, um, and he did uh, Really Bad Chess as well. Yeah, yeah, Plus, there you yeah. go. Um, so yeah, it's I kind th- of yeah. like a uh, crossword puzzle, but it's arranged differently so that you're all of the letters are already filled in and you're just kind of shifting them up and down to try to spell words and in one mode you might just be trying to find all the words you can and to like you know uh, light up all the letters you know every time you use a letter in a word it gets lit up or in another mode you might be doing like an actual crossword with all the clues but instead of you know just trying to fill things in and see what fits you're looking through the letters and shifting them around and thinking, oh, hmm, what's a what's an anatomical part of a duck? And, you know, you, you <laughs> in the process of looking for other answers, you'll say, hey, wait a minute. Like, you know, that, 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 that goes along with that previous cue. So you're kind of like informing yourself back and forth that way. And yeah, it's, it's, it's free to play. It's, uh, it has ads and stuff, but if you buy any of the puzzle packs, it gets rid of all the ads and everything. Uh, it's, it's a pretty cool little game. Hmm. Man, I you know I I want to play games like this on my phone. Uh, I finally have a phone that will run something released after 2010, mm-hmm. uh, which is a nice thing. But I use an iPhone SE, which if you guys are unfamiliar, this this is one of the iPhones that has the processor from a six in it, but is still the same size as an iPhone five. And I find that especially like word games like. 
Like, mm. I, it, my... The screen is just too small, yeah, to comfortably play it. Like, do you and I, you know, would you guys say that this is something I could actually get away with on a tiny screen or no? I think so because the letters are very big. <clears throat> They're very yeah. big. Yeah, man, I it's I, it's a big chunky because they you know it's meant for you to hit it with your thumb and comfortably slide it up and down mm-hmm. it'll it's it's a, a column of letters basically you've got columns of letters stacked next to each other and then you slide each column back and forth so that in the center it spells a word oh that sounds so addictive that sounds like something that i would lose my mind doing it's really good it's yeah. really good that sounds yeah, really it's a great good. like just got a couple of minutes to play a game because you can just pick mm-hmm. it up and make some progress on you know your word puzzle and then just go back to whatever you're doing so do you guys, I, like, you two especially play more iOS games than most people I know, mm-hmm. uh, because I, I'm an old folky when it comes to video <laughs> games, and I seem to only talk, all of my my friend group are people like, yo, dog, I just got a new Dreamcast game. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, I get into, when I do dive into a mobile game like this, I end up getting into, like, a troublingly, like, pattern with it where i'll start obsessing mm-hmm. where where i'll be like i i can't stop doing this and then i start doing it so much that i burn out really mm-hmm. quickly you know what i mean like mm-hmm. this this happened to me with alpha bear this is why i had to stop playing alpha bear is that i was playing alpha bear so much that it made me hate alpha bear like where i was like yeah. i gotta keep going i gotta keep going and that's not so I guess my question is, is is this so simple that you're not going to become a weirdo about it? or I, am... Well, I think that a lot of that comes from, uh, you know, it's not the fact that it's a game you play on your phone. It's the uh, standard stuff that they build into mobile games. Like Alpha Bear had a bunch of those daily missions and like mm-hmm. streaks and all things like that. And I actually tend to give games like that a wide berth. It's a big oh, part really? of the reason I stopped playing Fire Emblem uh, Heroes. Uh, I just don't, I don't like feeling obligated to play a game, yeah. you know, or else I'm not making the progress that I could be. What I want from a phone game is just something that is ready when I am, but makes mm. no other demands on me. And mm. you know, a sp- the the one thing with Type Shift is that they have daily puzzles, uh, so you know it's only available for 20 ho- 24 hours but i mean if you miss the daily puzzle you're not losing anything there'll be right. another daily puzzle tomorrow <laughs> i think i think i'm going to download this game man yeah, it's free so I, yeah there's nothing to lose this and elder scrolls because the only games installed on my phone right now are uh that new that new lake god now i can't remember the name rusty lake Thank cube you. puzzle uh cube escape Cube the Cave. I, I have that installed, but I haven't played it yet. And I also have it's the so iOS good. port of the original Shin Megami Tensai. And every time I open it, I sit there and I look at my phone and try to play, but then it doesn't go anywhere. And I'm like, what am I doing with myself? Yeah. I should go... I'm going to go pay attention to something else. <laughs> so this this sounds like good things that I should have on my phone. Mm-hmm. Cubed, Susan, Cubed is good. You, you oh, found it gosh. really hard. I no, actually, uh, what happened was I was stuck because I don't. It was just a glitch. Oh, it was uh, a glitch. It wasn't it was the a game. Glitch. Yeah, it wasn't the game because uh, I did. I did a thing, and when you do the thing, you're supposed to be given the item you need to 
continue, and it wasn't happening. Oh, and all so right. I I just I completely redid the puzzle, and then it worked. So it was fine. Um, really good. Super creepy, as is true for all of the Rusty Lake games. If you haven't tried any of the Rusty Lake puzzle games, I highly recommend them. They're very fresh. They're very unusual. The puzzles are super clever, and they're not the same old stuff you've ever done. There's this wonderful, creepy tone to all of them. Just super disturbing stuff. Like in this one, you chop off someone's arm and feed it to a dog. <laughs> yeah. You know, because you need the dog poop. Wow. Mm-hmm. As you do. That's, as you do. That sounds... um. Dark? Yeah. <laughs> is dark the word I'm looking for? Yeah. I, I think so. That sounds, <laughs> that sounds extreme. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Yeah. I, I I'm gonna play the hell out of that game since it's installed too. I gotta play. I gotta play something that isn't Blackthorn. Uh, <laughs> Why? Or, Why? Uh, yeah. Never mind. I lied. Blackthorn yep. is dope. <laughs> Not even reacting anymore. <laughs> Not even. <laughs> Susan, how many other games let you fight orcs with a shotgun? Yeah. Uh, while wearing, like, just but like while dressed like the worst background character from Roadhouse, like <laughs> you are the guy who Patrick Swayze beats up in the first three seconds of Roadhouse. You look like you look like a rejected concept art for the the main character from Full Throttle. <laughs> no, like he, they thought about this, but they're like, "No, we can't the, use this." The character Blackthorn looks like he's cosplaying as Nicolas Cage from the movie Long Kiss Goodnight, when he's a dirtbag. No, wait, not Long Kiss no, Goodnight. Conair, Kiss of Death, and Conair, and Conair, where he just is just a dirtbag, and he's like, "Hopefully, nobody notices my hairline, but everyone <laughs> notices his hairline." <laughs> uh, <laughs> So before, before we bring the show to a close this week, we did get a question from uh, listener oh. Thierry Belair, uh, who has written to us before. I'm sorry, Thierry. Thierry got in touch with us a year ago and was like, do you guys sell t-shirts that just say Radio Radar topical on them? <laughs> that was a great idea then. It's a great idea now. We should probably do that at some point. Uh but Thierry had a question that I know at least one of us has an excellent answer to. And says, uh, I'm moving soon to a place where I can move around more noisily and dance. What oh, is the state of the art for dance video games in 2017? My last experience was DDR Max for PS2, and I would like advice before buying a number of peripherals. Love the show. Thank you. Have a great day. I was uh, literally discussing this yesterday. Oh, no shit. Yeah. Well, I, I think I know what your answer is, because there is the answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I guess that's still true, and now is now is never a better time to get this game, because I think the peripheral is uh, cheap at this point, and, and so is the hardware. Uh, Susan, let the man know what the only dance game you ever need is. Dance Central. Dance Central. Mm-hmm. Dance Central. Uh, dance Central is, without question, the best modern dance game because it tracks your entire body as opposed to just your hands which is cheating you don't really have to dance if you only have to move your hands (laughs) (laughs) but uh i cannot cannot recommend the version of dance central for xbox one 
It is designed to separate you from your money in extremely unpleasant ways, huh. which is, it's really unfortunate because the Xbox One Connect camera is superior to that of the 360. And so it tracks you much, 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 much better, but the game itself is vastly inferior. Dance oh. Central 3 is fantastic. Highly recommend. Hmm. Man, I didn't know that Dance Central on Xbox One was a was a bastard. Like, it's terrible. If here's the thing, thank you. Alice agrees. My dog Alice is, is in agreement on this. Uh, no, seriously, Boo Boo, I'm I'm telling them it's okay. Thanks. The thing, if if, if Dance Central on Xbox One was free, right? Because this is the thing. It wants you to pay for songs as you go. So if it started out free and gave you like a handful of songs. And then you, it's a buffet where you, you know, a dollar ninety nine here, ninety nine cents there, five dollars there. Fine, whatever. It's ten dollars, ten bucks mm. to start, and the, it's just very, very limited until you shell out mm-hmm. a lot of cash. That sucks. Yeah, it does. It's it's uh, it's unfortunate. Yeah, you get like what, like five songs for ten dollars, yes. and yes. the rest you have to buy individually. Yes, or, or, or like in packs, yeah. I think. But yeah, it's not a good, it, it's not a, a good setup at all. Just if, if you can get yourself a 360 and a Kinect and, and enough open space to use them and where the camera can see you, get yourself Dance Central 3, you'll be very glad you did. I mean, that sounds like a $50 investment at this point in time. Like you can get a used 360 uh, off of the internet for like 20 bucks these days it's and true a, oh man like solid investment too mm-hmm. uh <clears throat> since i moved all of like the nice tv and all the gaming gear is now in my office uh which i i readily admit is a dick thing to do to my family <laughs> <laughs> like yeah i'm gonna take the nice tv over in here uh but now our living room, like TV box, since we don't have cable, is an Xbox. Th- is my old Xbox 360 mm-hmm. because that doesn't need to be set up uh, in the main room, you know, in the main gaming setup at this point. And having a 360 as the only thing in a room has really reconnected me with that console, and like it is still such a kick-ass machine. It's better than the Xbox One. I'm just going to uh, yes. flat out say that. Yeah, it's the best console Microsoft has ever made. Like, that is unquestionably. correct. And, and uh, you know, at the end of the day, just in terms of library, usability, everything, Yep. it ha- is one of the best consoles ever. Yep. Ever. Hands yep. down. Yep. Like, so, Tierra... My stock you- answer for if you can only have one console have this one used to be PS2. Yeah. Because if you if you can only have one console, PS2 will have the library is so vast and so good, you're you're gonna get something you want. Now I really think if you can only have one console, have an Xbox 360. But yeah. counterpoint, I don't believe Xbox 360 has any Gex games, so you, really <laughs> really a 3DO. you can get a 3DO, whatever version. If Philips doesn't matter, just go for a 3DO. Yeah. I had a 3DO. I, I, Man, I have a 3DO right now. (laughs) Oh, oh, do you have Killing Time? That's my favorite 3DO game. No, I only have Gex in this one feature racing game that I can't remember the name. Gex is the Gex game is very good. Yeah, Gex is still good. Gex is still still a solid platformer, 
And 3DO, like, man, 3DO is just one of those machines where, like, every now and again, I'll see the Japanese ones pop up, and the the weirdo brain will be like, don't you want the Japanese version <laughs> of Kenji Ito's D designed for 3DO the way it was meant to be played? And my brain's like... Oh yeah, they also have that Arcade Perfect Super Street Fighter 2. Be like, you can get Arcade Perfect Super Street Fighter 2 on anything now! It doesn't <laughs> matter, you don't need a 3DO for that anymore. Yeah, but bro, it's got a Sailor Moon game. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Uh, Pick one up and five loose copies of Dragon's Lair. It'll be great. <laughs> five copies of Army Men. Five uh, copies of Brain Dead Thirteen. No, Brain Dead Thirteen looked so good and sucked. I know it did. It did. It looked great. It was so bad. So bad. So not good in any single way. Uh, oh, oh, but the Horde. You could play the Horde with Kirk Cameron. Horde? Oh my God. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah but the game you, is actually quite good. Whoever is listening already has a Sega Saturn, and you can play the Horde just oh, that's as true. easily there. Okay, okay. Just okay. as readily. Okay. Uh, I feel like that that brings us to the close of this week's show, everybody. Uh, you can go to gamesradar.com and read about all things Destiny 2 if you did not get enough of that here. Uh, we have, like, an ocean of really kick-ass features at the moment we have just like really solid uh reviews as well susan's uh persona 5 review is finally up if you didn't get enough persona from last week's episode of the uh, podcast also susan's a thought criminal yeah of this review yeah you have to commit a thought crime anyway <laughs> do it by reading this review do it's it true. by reading this review uh dave god dave have you been writing about final fantasy again did you write about episode Gladiolus yet? No, no, I have not. You did not? No. Dave Dave has played episode it's Gladiolus. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Oh, no. It's a Dave Roberts fine. Oh, no. It's a Dave Roberts fine. It's, it's, it's just fine. That's, that's it's it's an hour that. more of Final Fantasy XV, which I'm into, but yeah. also, come on. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a big, it's a big come on. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And and other good stuff. I, I reviewed away. Thimbleweed Park. You can read that on Thimbleweed the site. Park. Oh yeah, that's yeah. right. The so. the uh, new one from Ron Gilbert. Gilbert, thank you, yes. Ron Gilbert, creator of Maniac Mansion, which this game is a spiritual successor to. Yes. Um, yeah. All right, everybody. We will see you next week. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Bye, Bye everybody. Goodbye.